0: Welcome, this talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org.
1: So, welcome everybody again to our first uh, Insight LA Sunday sit at the new Sacred Roots location. So, Today we're going to be um, looking at a, a teaching called the Eight Verses of Thought Transformation. Um, it's in the School of Thought of a Lojong Teaching, lo means mind, jong means training, mind training. There's a very famous set of slogans by, that was written down by a great Indian Mahasiddha, Atisha. So when you say Lojong, usually it's those 59 slogans. But this is an also in the same style. Reflecting on verses as a way of training the mind. And these specific this specific set is really tied into a um, Chinrezig, um, the Buddha of compassion practice. So many times um you will see these, these um, reflections in a traditional sadhana of a tenresu practice. So if you're uh, praying to the Buddha of Compassion, this is something that you will say. And um, most of the time, you are invited, as you say a phrase, to also chant mani Om Padme and ask for the blessings of Chinrezig to allow you to get the full benefit of the verse. And what they mean by that is that... Verses such as these have uh, multiple layers of understanding. Yeah? So we can understand them conceptually, or we could have a lot of dissonance, actually, conceptually, if we look at this these verses and say... Yeah, I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> that could be one kind of reaction to them, and so um, needing to maybe purify a bit of those layers of dissonance and and to understand these on a much uh, deeper, deeper level. You know, I had a, um, I see this quite a bit. Um, and I think we all have experiences like this but um, I work at a depression and anxiety clinic and sometimes the patients are very, very depressed very, very depressed it's very difficult to see and I had a patient that came in and we have a little um, we have this little book it's called Happy and it's filled with affirmations and little techniques that you could do to brighten up your day. Little fun things, you know, things that, just little gratitude practices and stuff like that. And I I took the book out, and the patient saw that I had the book, and she saw the cover. And she said, don't open up that book. Whatever's in there, I don't want to see it. I don't want to even hear a word of it." And she's, you know, she's a very kind person, like you really, really know that she was suffering from depression, and she was very adamant that she did not want to hear one positive thing. That was how strong the filter of depression was. and we all have a level of that in regards to how much we can love, right, and how much we could um, take, take on in true unconditional love. So th- this practice too, it's a bodhicitta practice, right, cultivating this sincere wish to attain enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. This is really a a love-based, compassion-based practice. Seven out of the eight verses here are all about compassion and uh, allowing the flourishing of the the mind of uh, Bodhicitta to arise. So when we look at these practices, this is like radical compassion practices, yeah? When we look at these practices... Maybe they don't work for you, right? We just, we're building our toolbox. So no, maybe, maybe this isn't my path. Maybe this radical compassion stuff isn't for me. Yeah, maybe it's something else. So just as we kind of go through it, just see how it lands for you. And they all tie in together anyway, right? At the end. So, the the first one, with the thought of attaining enlightenment for the welfare of all beings who are more precious than a wish-fulfilling jewel, I will constantly practice holding them dear. I'll read that again. With the thought of attaining enlightenment for the welfare of all beings who are more precious than a wish-fulfilling jewel, I will constantly hold them dear. So here, this wish-fulfilling jewel, the more precious than a wish-fulfilling jewel, in this practice that if we do something for the benefit of ourselves, we are a sentient being, nothing wrong with this, yeah? Saying I want to attain, I want to do this practice so I can find more happiness in my life. Beautiful. No problem. Now if you say, I want to do this practice today together with all of you, so we all can benefit. All 25 of us, or whatever it is, 25-30 of us. When we have that motivation, it makes whatever we do, it makes it stronger and stronger right more benefit if we say for the benefit of all beings if we say i want to do this meditation practice for the benefit of all beings you see this is so much more powerful it's they say when we say for the benefit of all beings somehow somewhere some way all beings are on our side they're all pulling for us they're pulling for uh, our enlightenment, because we all benefit, yeah, for the benefit of all beings. And we're also imprinting that I'm not free until all beings are free, which has to be the case, because of interdependence, Yeah? You're, we're not free until all beings are free. So this means that we need all beings for our, own, for our own freedom. This is why every being is a precious jewel. Right? A precious jewel. So this is very powerful because then we start to think... If, I know this is kind of grand and maybe may jumping some steps here, but we think if this is true then all beings that we see become very precious, even the ones that we don't like, like all those, (laughs) the people in our life, maybe we don't like so much. Yeah, but they're very precious because until they are free, none of us can really be free. Can we really truly be free when others are suffering? I mean, even on a mundane level, yeah? Be really truly happy when we see the suffering, but even the small, you know, fly, insect, or something like that. So we could view, in a different way, the beings that we see. Yeah. And not only that, we can look at them, um, when when we do the actions for the benefit of all beings, and our heart goes out to them, May they be free? Then when we look upon others, it's in a way more of like uh, a mother uh, wanting a child to be happy. We have that flavor. We have that flavor. So when we're hanging out with a friend, for example, when we're hanging out with a friend, the words that they say, it's met with an energy of friendliness. Yeah? Hopefully. <laughs> you're a friend. If we're around somebody and we already just have some dissonance, we have an energy of dissonance. So when they're speaking and communicating with us, it's met with almost an intangible opposition. Like we're waiting for them to say something we don't like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're just waiting for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that. So when we practice like this, we're meeting the people in our lives with loving-kindness, with compassion, right? And as we go on, we'll see we could work with this, you know more and more. but that's the flavor of it. And also the interdependence as well. I have a note here. Um, even the fact that we're alive, that we have the possibility to practice. If we really look, just look at this place. Here we are practicing in this place. All the factors that had to come together, all the people that helped, just the the workers, construction workers, uh, the real estate agent, and all the factors that had to come together for us to practice here. But of course, we could expand that out uh, to you know their parents and uh, all, all of that. Just look at everything that we do to get that drink of water, just totally amazing. Right? Yeah. With the thought of attaining enlightenment for the welfare of all beings who are more precious than a wish-fulfilling jewel, I will constantly hold them dear. So this one definitely needs some unpacking the second one. (laughs) Whenever I'm with others, I will practice seeing myself as the lowest of all that really resonates well. Yeah. <laughs> and from the very depth of my heart, I will, res- I will respectfully hold others as supreme. So, <laughs> when we read these ancient texts, 11th century, I can't remember. I posted on Facebook, but I can't remember. <clears throat> so, I would say here in the West, 2017, we suffer from self-criticism, self-loathing. So if this was was going to be written today, it would probably be worded a bit differently, yeah? But this is about self-centeredness, really. It's not being a doormat or thinking you're crap, everyone else is awesome, which a lot of times we do that anyway, that they're better than I am, right? Every time we have comparing mind, we look, she's better than me at that, he's better than me at this, I should be further along in my life. We have all that already, right? But this is about self-centeredness. So when we're in a conversation with somebody, we, it's usually we want to see what we get out of it. It's about us. When we're in a social gathering, we can see this too. Let's say you're at a networking party or something like this, or a company party. You might be thinking, you know, who could I talk to that will benefit my career or my social standing? Or who could I talk to or how, what face can I put on to make myself look good, for example? I saw this within myself. I was on a call this past week and with a couple of Dharma teachers. And this one Dharma teacher, um, he's—I uh, don't know how to put it. He teaches a grand. I don't know if he's famous, or you know, but he teaches lots. He has lots to teach. A lot of stuff going on, right? A lot of connections. A lot of stuff going on. And so he's telling us about his endeavors, and they were amazing. I mean, where the Dharma is being spread in different countries, in the different populations. It was amazing. It was very exciting that what he was doing. And, I, and in my voice, I kept thinking, what do I have to do with this? What about me? Do you need help? Or I was waiting for him to be like, and we're looking for teachers over here. Or, and, I was, and at the same time, watching my appreciation and, and all that, and, and part of it was I didn't really understand the nature of the call, but it was just like going on. Like, this is happening here. This, But I felt and I noticed my mind going to me. You know, what about me? What's it have to do? At the same time, you know, appreciating that it was just going out. Right. So when we're in conversations, it's of course taking care of ourselves but also how could I help? And this is one thing I noticed about this individual is it wasn't about him and the reason why he was so successful is because he was so passionate helping a certain demographic, a certain slice of society. He's very very dedicated about helping this one and he's already successful in other areas. He doesn't care. He doesn't need Money or doesn't need fame or anything like that. He's very dedicated in helping this population, and I see the benefit of that. So, how can I just help others? So, just check in, like to see. You know, sometimes maybe we're a bit self-centered. Have we ever felt that? Anyone else felt that? (laughs) Just me. Third, in all actions I will examine my mind, and the moment a disturbing attitude arises, endangering myself and others, I will firmly uh, confront and avert it. In all actions I will examine my mind, and the moment a disturbing attitude arises, endangering myself and others, I will firmly confront and avert it. I really, really like this one. I've relied on this one heavily um, in the past. And and I think that for one, we we have innate wisdom. We know, uh, we know between right and wrong. And when there's disturbing emotions arising sometimes, they're very um, pesky. Right? Anxiety, negative mind states, desire, addiction mind, very pesky, right? And sometimes our practice needs to be very strong. Sometimes the practice is not non-judgmental, compassionate awareness, right? Remember the mindfulness is just one of one of eight, yeah? Sometimes when we're working with disturbing emotions too, We need to be very very strong and the buddha said you know one of them is very strong so one of the ways we we one of the ways to deal with disturbing emotions just to look at it mindfulness the other way is to think of something opposite think of the opposite if you can one way is to distract yourself (laughs) right it's getting stronger and stronger so this is like our coping mechanisms honor your coping mechanisms sometimes Do ice cream meditation, Mm -hmm. Netflix (laughs) meditation. It's okay, yeah? And then the other one is to demand that that disturbing thought leaves. You demand it. It's like from the well of your your Buddha nature and the compassion for yourself and others, you demand it. Out, gone, no. We all know it. We all know those ones. That don't belong. Yeah? This is really, really strong. And it's okay to have that. Really firm. Really, really strong. I had anxiety one time. It was really bad. Really, really bad. So I made an affirmation. i probably told you this before. Made an affirmation to myself. And I looped it. I recorded it and looped it. And put an earbud in my ear of my own affirmation, telling the anxiety it was a lie. Because when you have anxiety, the body thinks. It goes into fight, flight, or freeze. It thinks there's danger. There's no danger. Right? It's true. You feel, the, you feel the anxiety. It's true. But it's not real. It has no base. Right? So sometimes you have to remind it. Right? So all day, I would listen to it. I just put one earbud in all day. And I even have these uh, soft earplugs at night, uh, uh, earphones, right? And looped it all night long in my ear. Demanded it. No, you're wrong. You're wrong, right? So, and we don't want these to gain momentum. This is very important, right? One act of loving kindness sets the foundation for another act of loving-kindness. Yeah? I asked my teacher one time, how could I be more mindful? What are the tricks and all this stuff? How could I be more mindful every moment, every day? He said, be mindful. <laughs> oh, like Kimpo Jigme. He said, be mindful. Every moment of mindfulness, he said, sets the foundation for another moment of mindfulness. And we know because of the neural net, it works in the other direction too, right? When we let anxiety get away or disturbing thoughts, we let them start to add up. It becomes easier to follow down that road, yeah? So the quicker that we do that, the better. And always trusting, no matter what, my Buddha nature will win, right, in the end. Even if those, if those train of anxiety, depression, negative thoughts get away, it's temporary because we're going to come back home to the love and peacefulness in our hearts anyway. But let's help it along by, by moving in a positive direction as soon as those arise. And this is a great mindfulness practice. When that negative self-critic comes up, you could do a whole week of negative self-critic mindfulness. Every time your negative self-critic come, critic comes up and says something negative, replace it. I see you. And sometimes it's very quiet, tricky that little voice, yeah, real, real quiet in the background. Ah, oh, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, yeah, very sneaky. So the moment that it arises, and remember, anything that help that hurts us helps uh, hurts uh, those that we love. It hurts all beings, right? Because it says here, whenever. The moment a disturbing attitude arises endangering myself and others I will firmly confront and avert it. Yourself is others. That's one and the same. So if it help if it hurts you it help it hurts all of us. Remember. Yeah? It doesn't even need to get to the others part. That's obvious. But remember to take care of yourself. And every single moment that we take care of ourselves is taking care of all beings too. Yeah. This is our favorite one. Whenever I meet a person of bad nature who was overwhelmed by negative energy and intense suffering, I will hold such a rare a rare one dear as if I had found a precious treasure. We all do that anyway, yeah? <laughs> No problem. Next one. <laughs> so maybe we we don't need as much help as the um, you know the saints or whatnot. But I was reading where you know the the lamas they pray to meet difficult people. They pray to meet them because. We really do need this to see the work that we need to do, to practice patience. You know, I told tell, I tell a story, but I'll tell it again, it's so funny, that there's these monks, and um, they were in a camp in India. They had fled Tibet. And one of the monks hit the other one with a stick on the head. They got in an argument. And the one that got hit on the head, he said... Oh, thank you. I'm practicing patience right now. And you doing that is really forcing me to practice patience right now. Because I didn't deserve getting hit on the head. Um, that's like high level, you know. But uh, And you should protect yourself and not get hit on the head with sticks and just be fine with it. But... Um, <laughs> But again, too, these, these, uh, these beings that come into our life, they're fantastic tools to see where we're at. There's a saying if you think you're enlightened, go live with your family. <laughs> you know, go stay with your family. Or if you think you're enlightened, go hang out with a really difficult person and then see how you do, um, see where you need to go. And also, too, that um, this gets into the realm of, um, of emptiness and the labels that we put on somebody. Says, oh, this person's a difficult person. Well, yeah, but to you. Mm -hmm. But maybe they're a loved one. They're somebody's most precious being on the planet. Does their dog think that they're difficult? Or that they're amazing, right? (laughs) Their dog might think this is the most amazing being ever, right? Um, So it's good to look at where that is coming from, that label of that. And then also to allow that bodhichitta to arise. If they're really difficult, if they're an angry person, oh, dear one, they are suffering so badly. Nobody's mean unless they're suffering. I never met somebody who is not suffering, that is just innately mean, who's not suffering. So they need extra care, right? If you meet somebody who is mean, just innately, some really mean individual, they need some extra, extra care, right? Yeah. And that care can come in a lot of different ways. It doesn't mean that it needs to be in a hug or or whatnot. Have to use your wisdom there. Yeah. But they definitely need some assistance. Yeah. There was a there's a robbery and it was posted on Facebook. So somebody came up and stole somebody's package off the porch. And they put it on Facebook and they filmed they filmed this Woman. So she's like, she's, she, they got caught like mid thievery, you know, robbery. So they, they paid, they, they, they posted it and it was like in our neighborhood. And people were like, oh, they should go to jail and this and that and, you know, okay. And I wrote, and I hope they find the help that they need. And I got a ton of
2: <laughs> fun stuff yeah. there.
1: The first one was, you libtard, which is fantastic, you know, this and that. And, um, you know, and I just let them do their thing, you know. But in my mind, I was like, you know, you're a bit confused. If this person, maybe they're, on, they're addicted to drugs or something, yeah. They don't get the help that they need. They're still part of our community. They're just going to come back and do it again. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. You know, yeah, I hope they get the help that they need to become a quality citizen once again. Duh, you know, so we could all help them out. Like, just just hating them. Just, you're obviously suffering because you just stole a package off a port. They're not doing well. And hating them is not going to just magically fix, uh, you know, what's happening inside. Yeah? So, you know, that's, that's a more um, gross example. But on a subtle level, the person that comes into work or whatnot and they have an attitude and they're always short with us and this and that, you might want to just reflect for a moment. Oh, I wonder what else is going on. You know, it, sometimes when we inqu- inquire, they might have some, some other things that are going on that aren't so good that we can look at more compassionately. So we're not gonna get through all of them. Um, so I wanna maybe to do a little meditation or at least discussion. Let's just stop there actually, because I think that's, there's some heavy hitters in there, you know, like already. <laughs> um so maybe let's i like having more room we could get in smaller groups easy easier again now Um, maybe let's get in smaller groups um no larger than four so three or four and maybe chat about what resonated for you did any of these kind of spark anything within you um and maybe chat a little bit about that
0: We talked about number four. As I'm sure lots of people did, um, <laughs> and um, I was just thinking about you know it begins whenever I meet a person, and experientially it's much more like all the time when I see that person or am with that person, mm. and it feels like that. It, it feels like someone who comes into my life of bad nature that's just in passing. It's a lot easier to sort of hold them as a precious treasure mm. momentarily mm-hmm. um, but that what's really hard and takes it seems like mountains and mountains of persistence is the person that I see all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um, you know to hold to hold them as a precious treasure again and again and again mm-hmm. and again is is really hard but um but it's nice to be reminded, um, that they are a precious treasure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again. Okay. So, so, yeah. so, okay. so, anyway, whenever is an interesting yeah, that's adverb to use for it, because it definitely doesn't feel like whenever it feels like mm-hmm. all long time. Right. right.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> topic. Mm -hmm. We all tend to shy away from difficult people. Mm -hmm. uh, A lot of times when the problems come up with a difficult person, you know, we we, uh, see our city as an antidote and as a way to help us deal with their difficult nature. Shocked by people who are so difficult that when you try to help them, they lash out at you. Mm-hmm. Um, it just shocks me. That's where they're at. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, just it's amazing.
1: Yeah. Thank you
3: talked about the difficult people in the government right now. <laughs> do they have those? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? What do we? You know how do? We, how do we hold these people dear, and how do we um, somehow get beyond uh, the hatred, anger, whatever? Mm-hmm. Trying, trying to be compassionate, trying to. Um, Maybe take a lesson from these people. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't know really what to do about them. but uh.
1: Yeah, very advanced. Yes. There's a new sadhana. Compassionate Trump meditation. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate. It's like yeah, high. Even the in the Himalayas are not even practicing that. <laughs> I even, they don't even know what to do. Yet. <laughs>
2: Very high practice.
1: (laughs) That would be a good one to have. I've thought about it. I haven't done it. but And you know, who knows? I'm not trying to make a political thing. Because we could have all groups and everyone's accepted here. No matter what your political belief system is. But whatever that person is to you. I mean, can you even bring yourself to put them on your altar? Just a photo of them. Mm -hmm. Along with those... Saints and sages and know that they have the same Buddha nature. You know, if it's Trump for you or whatever, you know, Trump is a Buddha. Like just say that. Can you even say it, you know, like or whatever that is that difficult person, can you put them on your altar? Um, just as an act of not, you know, fake it till you make it kind of a can you can you can you, can you give the act of that?
0: I was just going to say, I think it's easier to say it about someone I know personally, and it's a little harder about people from whom you're very detached yeah. mm-hmm. um, to see someone's humanity when you mm-hmm. you know them personally as opposed to people who influence our lives, have an effect mm-hmm. on our lives, mm-hmm. but we don't know them personally. Right, That's an extra level of difficulty, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a practice that I've uh, read about where you list... Uh, 10 different things you're grateful for, and then three, uh, you name three people you want to send compassion to, three difficult people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. That's great, you kind of prime the pump with gratitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically, yeah. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. and it gives you that,
2: like, space mm-hmm. for, for the difficult.
1: That's people. very good, yeah. it's like the meta where we do, people we like first and then ourselves yeah. but that's another way that's why I like that
0: mm-hmm. yeah. I actually wrote it on a whiteboard and I have it up on a wall oh. so like the three difficult people you know, mm-hmm. they're up there yeah so. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: hopefully they don't walk in
2: <laughs> why
1: am I I'm a special look at she has me on the board you're right. so... you're my wow you're my favorite <laughs>
2: It's not labeled. So it's <laughs> <a> difficult <laughs> person. <laughs>
1: so we have time for one more. Did you have one well,
3: did isn't you. it more about our capacity to feel positive rather than to see them as necessarily a God kind of? I mean, if I can create love instead of hate for you know who. I mean, that's what I'm trying to get to. Not that that person's—I mean, whatever their attributes are, they are. Mm-hmm. But it's the ability to get past it being about me and getting to the fact that you know this is another human being. I mean, mm-hmm. that it's—it's it, it's very complicated, I think, in some ways. But I think it's too easy to think that we hold them as in esteem instead of. This is where I'm trying to get in my life to be able to get past the barriers that I put for myself.
1: Mm-hmm. You're saying it doesn't work for you to like look at their Buddha nature or something? Is that what you're saying?
3: That's It was very confusing what I was saying, wasn't it? No. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, in some ways, I'm saying it's more about my process than who they are.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's... Can I say something?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's... What we're doing here is trying to see where we can go with not being self-centered or righteous, mm-hmm. um, and getting past the personal barriers because everything we do affects the people closest to us, but you know, if I say something mean to you, then the person you meet on the street, you don't smile to, I mean and it Right, goes, right. So really, it's about just trying to take care of things at home and, and gather the wisdom and the ability to see past my petty grievances mm-hmm. or whatever. It, not that they're petty, some of them are profound, but you know. <laughs> I think I better
2: shut up.
1: Good. Yeah, I just think, I think, it, yeah, I totally I totally agree with you. And then there might be different ways for that inner transformation to happen for yeah. each person. Some might reflect on that. Some might reflect on something here or on there innate attributes our commonality so yeah however we do that to make that inner transformation totally agree that's where we're headed
0: you have just listened to a recording from insight la in long beach for more information please visit us at insight